I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Or something like that. This will be episode 78. 78. We released 77 today. 77 today. 77. So we have 77 podcasts live, and this will be 78. What are we going to do for the big 100? I don't know. You tell me. You going to buy me that burger that you owe me from, uh, from the yet. bet that. Uh, it's not the end work. of June yet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we said by the end of June? I thought. By the end of June, that was the deal. Did you look it up? Yeah. You, you went and listened to it again? I did. What episode was it? Uh, I forget. Jamie sent it to us, though, that bastard. He didn't send it to us. He sent it to me. He told oh, us he exactly did. what episode it was in. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Uh, so we, we get this random text message the other day. Well, it's not random. He asked me for Well, your random number. to me. And yeah. So one of the guys that I've never met before includes me in a text message to Stephen. If you remember, if you've listened for a little bit, Stephen made a wager that he could get, uh, was it Tom, who, what's Tom Billu. Tom Billu. so it is, okay, I thought I was going to say that wrong. Tom Billu on the podcast within the next six months. And I owed him like steak dinner for a certain amount of months or something like that. And you owed me, it was technically a burger every Wednesday for a certain amount of months. It wasn't, too. it was just a burger. I owed you a burger, you owed me a steak dinner because it was a monumental ask. But what for a period of time? Wasn't I thought there was a period of time in before there. the end of June? No, I mean like that we had to like for. Had to I had a period of time. You were doing it every once a month for a year, and I was doing it one time for you. That was the fairness of the bet because oh, it was a monumental that. ask. I was getting a burger every. It week, was a weighted. Sure. It was a weighted. We'll wager. ask the listeners: Should Ben get a burger from Stephen every Wednesday? Yes or no? But and it's at Churchill's, by the way. <laughs> Kobe beef burger night but we've got one more day for Steven to make that a reality yeah <laughs> maybe we'll even uh, do another wager after the, after I realize my winnings on this one but well everybody thank you for tuning in today you're listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary with Ben Clunt the Scottish guy Stephen Brown mm-hmm. Stephen got in a car wreck this weekend I did it wasn't a bad one no he got a little fa- a little, uh, I was going to say fender bender. I guess it was somebody's fender. Yeah. That kind of hit the side of your bender. Can I just say it was 100% not my fault and also have the insurance messages to prove so? Uh, 1,000% not yeah, your fault. Yeah, it did say 1,000%. It wasn't me that typed that. But yeah, just I was driving along and some guy thought he was going to shoot a gap and couldn't see me and smashed into the side of me. If I hadn't reacted, it would have been a lot worse. He caught me at an angle because I swerved. Swerved a lane over. Took evasive action. 
Um, you could have just stayed there, and he could. They probably would have totaled out your car for you. Why would I want my car totaled out? It's got a lot of miles on it now. I like it. Plus, you get to drive a Jaguar SUV now. You're gonna know what it's like to drive something real and good. Big balling just now. Big balling, yeah, Stephen. I'm okay. Well, should we introduce the topic and just kind of get into it, or do we want to BS a little more? Well, let's do it. So the, basically, the way I'd written it down for me was a mental health check and then leading in a crisis. So that's kind of how I was thinking of it in my mind. And I've noticed, so I text Stephen, and we start, like, what happens over the weekend, basically, is we start talking about topics and ideas that we may want to discuss in the coming week or weeks or whatever. And so I sent him a few topics this morning, and... I started writing it out, and it's funny how they all kind of morphed almost into one. And we can still break them out as it goes, but the idea was, um, and and I'll just go with this, it's kind of leading through strife, or uh, good lord, my words no come so well today. Leading through strife and uncertainty. Um, 2020 has been one hell of, of, I was jokingly say, a decade. It's like we've had more stuff happen in the first six months of 2020 than I feel like we do in some decades. So it's hard to, uh, to uh, what am I trying to say? Steven's distracting me on his phone already. He told me he was going to be on his phone, and I'm already distracted. I'm trying to get a deal over him. the lane. I'm, I'm still listening. I'm used to him like laughing and doing stuff and interacting. You now he's just like on his phone trying to make money. Freaking greedy bastard. See, Steve is putting money over you guys. But, Not at all. Um, Customer service So we've guys. had a lot going on in 2020, to say the least. Shit, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've had a lot going on, and uh, people have had to learn to lead from a distance, to lead without being able to see the face of somebody, to see how they're reacting, to lead when people are in times of hurt. I mean, I've experienced just through friends and stuff like more sickness, death, people struggling maritally, people struggling with depression, people struggling. It's just like, good Lord, 2020, what the hell, man? And so we thought maybe it'd be fun since our topic for the year, kind of our our journey is uh, getting both uh, from a leadership standpoint and the best health from a leadership standpoint and then mentally as well it's like man talk about two areas that are being <laughs> tried in 2020 so we figured let's dig into a few things in terms of what are some items some things maybe that you can implement in your positions of leadership be it managerial positions or not and just some good life hacks and things that we've been reading up on that maybe uh, would be beneficial yeah before we get into the leading through the crisis stuff, though, I really would like to dive in a little bit to the mental health stuff. Um, and I looked through our notes on the when we talked about focusing on both leadership and mental health. We did a whole podcast talking about mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the three things that I've seen more of in the last three to four months has been depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, mm-hmm. and stress, right? Yeah. And stress in the bad way. We talked about stress a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Not good stress. Yeah, we're talking the kind of stress where you and I were just talking. We're probably both ten to fifteen pounds heavier than we were in March. Yeah, we're calling it the COVID fifteen. There's a lot of people that don't even know what their minds and bodies are going through and can't identify it. And we really do want to just give some pointers again that 
This is going to affect your work, it's going to affect your relationships, it's going to affect your kids, all of the things that you're not really maybe even cognizant of. Now, the, the upside is there's a lot of people that see opportunity in this, right? And they're they're doing more business, they're doing better business, they're, they've seen ways to, again, something we talked about a few weeks ago, adapt or pivot and do good things. But there's also, I mean, we saw just at the tail end of last week, one of the restaurants, bars that had been open had to shut down again because contact tracing yeah. found that some people that Whoops. tested positive went there. And it's not that bar's fault. No. I was in that bar on the night that the nights that were in question and their staff were doing more than probably 90% of the places I've been Great, since. I'm so comfortable sitting in a closed room with you right now, Stephen. Yeah. Well, it was three weeks ago. I would have been showing symptoms by now, so... Yeah, that's true. Because it was it was from early June, I believe, the weekend in question. What was but it? I didn't. Even, I guess what I'm saying is that too. you, if you're feeling kind of off, and you just said you were feeling kind of funky today, Ben. So mm-hmm. I'm going to use you as an example. Oh great! It's probably because everything's off kilt just now. Yeah. Your your routine isn't no, your routine true. anymore. Even if you're still going to your office, the commute's shorter, you know, or longer depending on where you live. Uh, walking around wearing masks, um, having to take these extra precautions and do things, you might not realize the toll that it's taking on you or the people around you. But yeah, I mean, speak to somebody, get counseling, even if it's just your family or friends or you mention to somebody, hey, I'm feeling kind of in a funk, right? I'll be honest, the last two weeks has been a little better, but about two weeks ago, I was just despondent in general. It ebbs and flows, totally. I think we're also seeing the worst of human nature right now. <laughs> we're seeing really intelligent people say really stupid things all over the place, especially oh. social media, though. And when I say that, I'll quantify it by saying this. We have to be aware that an opinion is very different from a fact and that facts are often distorted depending on the media source that you are getting them from. And that goes both ways in the political divide. 100% goes both ways. And that seeking out confirmation bias is the best way to make yourself look like an absolute fool on the internet. (laughs) And we have literal people right now in the community that are seeking out businesses, looking at their business practices, calling people out for who they voted for or who they didn't vote for, people saying they wear masks, they don't wear masks, and trying to ruin small to mid-sized businesses within their own community, Mm. when they're business owners as well. Like I said, we're seeing the absolute dregs of human behavior and i really was two weeks ago just looking around and thinking we're nothing more than a bunch of monkeys with fancy toys you know if i feel like i'm living out i feel like have you read lord of the flies is that still essential reading uh i read it growing up God, i don't know if that is still essential reading i doubt it have you read it though i know the premise of it yeah and, and for sure anybody that's listening it. that doesn't know the premise the premise is it's a a bunch of young boys, we'll call them adolescents, maybe 12 to 16 years old, they, they shipwreck on, an, on a desert island. They create their own little uh, community where they've got kangaroo courts and they've got a hierarchy, so to speak. And Screw the parents. Leaders, and they kind of separate off into multiple groups. Long story short, it starts off real well and kind of degenerates into... Um, it degenerates into uh, just a free-for-all. It's called Lord of the Flies because there's a dead pilot and there's flies around him and all this stuff. And 
Anyway, they think it's a monster. They end up killing one of the boys. Like, multiple, multiple boys die hmm. at the hands of other boys. And then they're found by a naval ship because they were sending up smoke signals. Um, and the good boys are actually the ones that died, the ones that were trying to maintain order. And basically, when the Navy finds them, they're kind of despondent at the fact that and it's British boys, English boys, um, they're kind of despondent that all these kids just went from having structure and hierarchy to basically living like animals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're not far away from that. We're Lord of the Flies, Me- man! I'm talking metaphorically. Yeah, I genuinely I feel like people are pretty close to just going off the rails and, and being assholes to everybody. So I've talked for a long time and you can... Well, anybody who doesn't that. believe in what they believe... Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. It's like, I thought America was built on freedom of speech and freedom of religion and freedom of differing beliefs, right? And the whole idea that we can't have differing beliefs without being offended by somebody else's beliefs in this day and age is surprising to me. It's like, because I thought we were smarter than that. And there are, I get, there are certain moral things that it's like, well, yes, obviously there are certain things that it's just like repugnant, right? I mean... Yeah, that's discussing some of the things that happen to certain people. And if you believe differently, then you're probably a terrible human being. But for the most part, that's not the case. I mean, that we can have differing beliefs and have a conversation. Now everybody gets so up in arms when there's differing beliefs. And people that are posting on social media about opposing views and just basically... I mean, I've seen people say, if, you're, uh, if you don't believe this, we're no longer friends... Mm-hmm. On Facebook, you're like, seriously, we're no longer friends because I don't believe Arby's is the best roast beef sandwich. I'm glad. I mean, it's about the same thing. It's like, come on, it it wasn't about Arby's. <laughs> but, Clearly, yeah. I'm glad that Point you went stands. with something that I've been saying for probably off air. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I talk about false dichotomies a lot. I think we have talked false dichotomies are these uh, dualities that people create in their own mind and then they put them out there and it's the if then statement right so an if then statement can be a really positive thing in terms of sales right so if i say to you ben if all things are good with you and you think this is a good solution then can we start to move forward and here are the next steps right but in the example you just gave if you think Arby's is the worst roast beef sandwich or the best roast beef sandwich, how about you just take me off your friend list and never talk to <laughs> yeah, me? Just so morally I repugnant. Bit oh. on you, right? And I think one of the things that we keep losing sight of is we keep trying to legislate morality and we keep trying to define other people's morality based on our own beliefs. And the problem with that is legal and moral are not always the same thing, right? No. And if the courts tried to legislate based on morality, every time someone walked out into the street and shot a pedophile, and don't get me wrong, I'd like to cut some of their dicks off. I know that's a really dark place <laughs> to go. And then, and then watch them die. And I wouldn't feel any remorse. No. But if we start trying to legislate morality, that's yeah. the kind of shit that happens. And before we know it, we're living Lord of the Flies, right? Yes. So Well, and that's what's... I mean, yes, there's so many... For so many reasons... A lot of what we're the ideals being pushed will not work, and I say ideals in mm-hmm. not necessarily my ideals, but that of some of the louder groups yeah. currently. We don't live in work, an, an ideocracy. We live in a we live in a republic, and unfortunately, 
for some people, the majority rules or the way the democratic system is set up. You're happy when it works in your favor and you're unhappy when it doesn't work in your favor. But I think there are a small majority, a small a minority, majority, small minority of people who wouldn't mind seeing the democratic society go away. Like, and they're fighting for it and they're loud. And they would be totally good with... But they're a small minority. Well, yes, but they're loud. Yeah, and I think what we, we also lose sight of, so there was one more place I wanted to go there. We often apply these if-then absolutes mm-hmm. and the fake dualities, or mm-hmm. sorry, false dichotomies based on our experiences and our perspective, and we lack experience and perspective from the other side. Context of any kind. Case in point, I am 100% behind transgender people, and LGBTQ+, and all the other letters, I don't know yeah. what they all are now, having every right that we have. Access to everything we have access to. 100% support that, right? What I don't have is any context of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. I can't fathom it. I can respect and appreciate that they're going through it. I can even be empathetic towards it. But how not having perspective, the only way for me to get perspective is to listen to them which I'm happy to do. But what we've got just now, and that was just one example, is we have literally a 50-50 split, if you really want to get into it, maybe 49-51 or 52-48. But we have half of the country believing one thing and half the country believing another thing based on political affiliations for a two-party system, when in all actuality, if there was a third party right in the middle, Probably the majority on both sides yeah. would jump to that, and you would literally be left with the loonies on the outsides. Yeah, I want to operate in the middle. I don't want to be at the extremes. Mm-hmm. And where we're at just now is this is going to come back to mental health. Where we're at just now is we've given platforms to both the alternative on the right and the alternative on the left, the super extremes. That's what gets talked about on the daily, on the Facebook, on the social medias, on the the CNNs and Fox News and MSNBCs and that's where people's focus is despite them and this is a this is a really important term being the loud minority no way shape or form are they the majority they are the loud minority and then because that's what your party technically affiliates with that's where you're at and it's like no you know there's a middle ground here where left and right can meet so I guess where I'm going with this from a mental health standpoint is I'm saying stop going to trad- traditional media. Find unbiased sources, switch media off, unplug. I've been so much less active on Facebook. I barely go on Facebook anymore because of this. Yeah. And that might be a good thing. That probably is a good thing. But... So Sorry, I didn't mean a lecture. but well, Stephen's lecture series. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate about it. I want people to seriously just be in a better place mentally and I think the best way to do so is to somewhat unplug. No, I don't disagree, man. And not argue over whether you should or shouldn't wear a mask. Just put the damn thing on your face and get the fuck on with it. And if it helps, it helps. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. We're really arguing about a piece of cloth on your face. You and I not, so, but... Okay. I can't monopolize that. Sorry, Ben. You ready? For what? The actual topic? Sure. God. Now that we're 20 minutes in? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so leading through strife, uncertainty, and even times of your own internal struggles, what I'm adding on to this too, right? So I think, and I was actually reading a Harvard Business Review article 
titled Leading in Times of Trauma, and it was written right after 9-11. And it was interesting, so it was based on a lot of studies and different things, and a couple of, uh, like, review, I guess, go figure reviews, Harvard Business Review, a couple <laughs> of reviews of different businesses and how their staff felt reacted to things afterwards. And I think the, the most interesting thing when I'm reading these, you know, it was about 13, 14 pages. When I'm reading this, it's like the thing that always came back to me as the companies that were successful, that had staff that recovered from a you know an emotional trauma of some kind that came back that were more productive that were more loyal to the company was the leaders that had adopted the whole idea of the golden rule right treat others the way you want to be treated right so if i'm a if i'm a leader and something happens with my kids something happens nationally like it's happening now or happened with 9/11 or happens with my spouse or something right it's like how would i want to be treated if i was an employee colleague you know, and, and I was going through something that was struggling. It's like, I, I would want a hug. I'd want people to give me a hug, say it's going to be okay. <laughs> and we're going to move on, right? It's like, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to get, I get it. We're here for you. Because I think at the end of the day, people just want to know that they're not alone. It's like, so as a leader, if you can show them that you're not alone, we feel you're hurt, and we're here to be with you during your time until you can figure it out and move on. Oh, you're going to have, I mean, that's like family, Right. It's like you're going to have an employee or teammate, a colleague, whatever, a colleague will say, that will be with you through thick, thin, and whatever else comes down the line. So, I mean, if you need an employee that's going to work till midnight to get the job done, guess what? They're going to remember when you, as the leader, stood there with them when they were going through something, struggling, and let them cry on your shoulder or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I remember, uh, I mean, my parents have told me, numerous stories which I can't share obviously on here about the struggles of employees even financial I remember one story my parents were talking about they had an employee that was uh, struggling financially and lent them money lent their employee money outside of the business just their own thing right it's like you know what if you just see people as a human being extend some grace and some love you'll be surprised how much better this world is and going off of our quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, rant from just a few minutes ago, right? It's like we have so little of the golden rule and love and grace happening. It's like, so knock it off. I'm getting tired of it. Yeah. I would jump in there and say that as well as treating people how you want to be treated, there's there's four modes that I'm learning about as we're as I'm moving into this enterprise position with, with work. So buyers have them, and I think leaders have them as well. So when, when, we're, when we're talking of buying influences, we're told there's two positive modes and there's two negative modes. The two positive modes are growth mode and trouble mode. And trouble, you're thinking, oh, but trouble means that they see an issue, they want to fix it. We're in trouble, let's get this fixed, right? So from a selling perspective, that's a really positive thing. The negatives are even keel because they think, oh, do we need to make a change? Everything's kind of working. And then overconfident, they think they've got the best thing ever and they don't need to change anything ever, right? So those are negatives, even keel and um, overconfident. Hmm. And I think from a leadership standpoint, we want our leaders to be in a trouble or a growth mindset or mode, right? And I think I would point to the fact that by treating others how you want to be treated, you're going to 
have extra perspective and insight into the fact that in any crisis, there's still opportunity on the other side of it. There's opportunity during it and there's opportunity on the other side. I think you'll find the best leaders lead through crisis to success because they focus on the positives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, yeah, guess what? Working from home sucks. But we still have people working. It's Mm -hmm. little things like that, right? The little wins. It's like we were going through a training the other week and and the guy that runs a training, Scott Walker, who's an absolutely amazing trainer and and really renowned in our company and he was asking some people like glass half full or glass half empty so he showed us a picture so he asked a couple of people some were like well I would say I'm more of an optimist I'm more of a pessimist I gave him an answer he said he'd never heard the answer he liked it and he was going to start using it my answer was that's plenty of water for now but I want more and he's like that's a growth mindset that's a really positive way to look at it but it's also acknowledging that there's not much there right I think more people need to get to that point where you don't need to be a motivational speaker every morning and walk in In with rays of sunshine and rainbows and butterflies all around you. But the opposite, when you're that person, when you walk in and don't talk to me till I've had my coffee and Mm -hmm. all that shit, that's not good either. You just need to get to that middle ground where you walk in neutral and find a positive that day. That's kind of my thing as a leader, like walk in and just... Nobody needs to know you're having a shitty day or a shitty morning or you fought with your wife or, you know, your kid had the flu or whatever it is. Just you need to be at least neutral, if not neutral to positive all the damn time. And externally, internally, you can be going through turmoil and heart racing and being a bad place. But I think the best leaders don't show that, but they don't repress Mm. it either. They share with who they need to share with. But they, as a leader, always exude confidence and exude positivity. And I'm not talking even tone the party line. You can be honest, but still turn it into a positive and say, hey, look, yeah, we're in a shitty spot right now, but here's the way out of this, and this is what's going to take. So I got two two thoughts. First one goes back a couple of minutes ago to your point about there's opportunity in negative times. But I'll say, and I'll put a caveat asterisk on that, is the opportunity is not necessarily always like a revenue-based. I can grow my business opportunity. It could be an opportunity to deepen a relationship with that colleague that might be struggling with something. Second point is I would kind of disagree with your statement, just what you had said about always having basically a confident, strong face. Because I would think that a lot of leaders, I think, when they show some vulnerabilities and they show that they might be struggling, actually are going to garner a lot of respect. And in those times, from what I've seen in the past, those are the times when the employees are going to be the most dedicated to someone when they see them struggle and and they're going to be with them 110%. So I'm not sure that I would say that. And even in that, the Harvard Business Review thing that I'm, I'm tapping out a piece of paper, if you hear me tap in the background, that I was reading, one of the things that they say, and, and I... Uh, wrote it down was kind of the need for public action they were talking about like if, if you're, people are going through a time of struggle and strife as a nation we'll just say like right now it's like the ceo or somebody coming out and in their example was actually after 9 11 so i can use that since it was their actual example and it was the company came out and basically hired uh counselors for their staff because they had seven people that were killed in one of the plane crashes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, instead of the CEO just being like, I'm optimistic, it's good, you know, we're gonna get through this. It's like, I think those comments aren't necessarily helpful. They're almost more hurtful 
then it's like, no, you just got to be there and cry with the person and move on, right? And grow. And because, I mean, if you're constantly bottling up the feelings and emotion, I'm not sure that that's a good thing either for really. I mean, we're all human. Everybody expects you to have emotions, be it a CEO or the janitor, right? I mean, everybody, you're still human and that's fine. And nobody, I would hope, and if they do, well, screw them. It's going to expect the CEO to be a, the confident, doesn't struggle with, uh, you know, lacking self-confidence or doesn't struggle with their emotions or doesn't struggle with their marriage or doesn't, I mean, that's just not the reality of life. Yeah. I want everybody to take note of the fact that Ben and I just disagreed respectfully and did not yell at each other or swear at each other or say defriend me or <laughs> podcast is over. Yeah. And I am going to quantify what I said and maybe then you'll understand what where I was coming from from terms of the exuding okay. confidence, right? One of the real privileges of my life is one of my best friends is Brian Scott. Mm. Um, who's a 28-year military veteran, retired now, lieutenant colonel. He's the guy I went and sailed in the middle of the ocean with, right? And he often gives me military leadership insights. And we're going to have him on the podcast to talk because we've had some really great civilian leaders in. We've had Sean Wheeler from the police force come in and chat. I think getting some military perspective would be cool as well. One of the things he talks about is that if a leader has a helmet fire... So imagine your helmet being on fire um, in a situation of crisis. That becomes, um, it's reciprocal. Other people start to, their helmets start to catch fire, right? So I guess where I was going was not necessarily, hey, don't be vulnerable, to your point. I think vulnerability is a great thing. In fact, I posted last week, I don't know if it was on my uh, Instagram or our Instagram for the podcast that, true leadership true strength is often being vulnerable right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i 100% agree that being vulnerable is great but i still think being vul- being confident enough to be vulnerable but still have a solution mm-hmm. and exude confidence that hey yeah we're we're in a crisis right now but here's the way out is where i was going with that not necessarily don't be vulnerable but don't be panicked don't walk in in a panic because that will catch and all of a sudden you've got people jumping off the ship instead of walking in and saying, hey, we're in a shitty spot. Yeah. We can get through this. Here's the path to get through it. Or I don't really have the way through it yet. I was going to say, even acknowledging I'm gonna that lean you on don't you guys. have a path. Let's yeah. find a path together. Yeah. So I think we both agree on that. Yes. Not yeah. necessarily the way I said it initially. So. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh. Yeah. So that's where I was going with it. And I don't, off, I don't always try and defend what I say. Um, but I figured I should probably no clarification is good yeah because I think you do want to acknowledge people's feelings too when they're feeling like that and that's just the funny thing about feelings right you might think someone like oh god they're not even justified in their feelings if we go back to the first half of this conversation it's like which is a wrong thing because it's not their it's not your feelings it's their feelings and you can't tell someone how they should or shouldn't feel so acknowledging their feelings and then just I'm sorry you feel that way yeah I I want to be here for you. How can I be here for you? And sometimes that even makes them a little mad. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they're, you know, wise enough to extend you a little bit of grace in that and realize that you're trying. So again, let's just go back to this grace and love thing. If we could just all have a little bit more of that, that'd be that'd be good. But as far as being a leader and what I was going to say is a lot of the time I think it's, it's doing those things because leaders carry a lot of stress, carry a lot of other people's stress, <laughs> a lot of their own stress, 
a lot of an image of who they should be in their own mind sometimes. I mean, I know for me, I am my own worst critic and I, lo- I put a lot more stress on myself than anyone else ever does. And it's undue a lot of the time. I shouldn't do it, but I do. Mm-hmm. And some, But sometimes that's also what makes people great. Doing those things that you know bring you mental health, mental clarity, getting out and going for a walk a half hour a day, taking 15 minutes to meditate or just listen to music and zone out. Do whatever it is, those things for you going to the gym, Stephen. It's like doing whatever those things you need to do to try and keep an optimistic and positive outlook. Acknowledging, like even today, I went into, when I was going to the bathroom, sorry guys, went into the restroom and was thinking through things. And was thinking about the fact that I haven't brought on a new client in a little bit. And I'm like, God, you started to go down this spiral, right? And it's like, and you're starting to think about how bad it is. Oh, maybe I'm failing at this. And you just let yourself get into this perpetual cycle. And I just, I can't remember where it was. I uh, was reading an article and it said, when you start to go in this perpetual cycle, you literally just audibly say, stop. And it kind of resets your mind, right? So you just stop. It's like, stop spiraling in the spiral you can if you visualize a spiral just the funnels cut off right and then i'm like name another time where you've totally just like failed in this regard it's like it happens this is a cycle and you've come out of it and you do the positive actions and you keep doing the positive actions and you'll come out of it so Mm -hmm. i think even as a leader it's reminding yourself to continue to do the things that you know lead to positive results just like anything in life continue to do the things that lead to positive results Continue to go on your walk and get the mental clarity. Extend yourself grace and love mm-hmm. in times of struggle. And then be there for your team, colleague, friends, and family when they need you. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a story. And then I'm going to give my three rules or tips, we'll call them. For, um, we'll say there's four of them actually. For uh, dealing with crisis, leading in a crisis, right? So the story is actually going to come from Saturday, from the car wreck that we talked about. Um, so he's, and I'm showing Ben with my hands, he's hit me, he's gone past me and pulled over and he got out the car, I got out the car obviously. I knew right away he had a seven year old girl in the back seat, she was in her car seat but she banged her head. Um, so I get out and he's panicked and he's like, oh my god, oh my god, and I was like, calm down, is your daughter okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she banged her head, but she's okay. And I said, well, let's make sure we get her checked later. I said, are you okay? And he's like, your car? I was like, forget my car. Yeah. Right? I wasn't mad. It's insured. Everything's yep. good. I was like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, are you okay? And he's still panicked. Like, I can see, you know, he's, he's flustered. He's agitated. Yeah. He's anxious. And I said, calm down. Cars can be replaced as long as we're okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need my insurance card? And I said, yeah, we'll get to that. I was like, let's just... Breathe. Take a breather, right? buddy. We're going to calm everything down first. So then his daughter rolled the window down and she's like, you drive a Volkswagen. I love Volkswagen. So I was shooting the shit with her, right? Seven-year-old girl. Talked to seven? Her. Yeah, seven. Yeah. She seemed like a really nice girl and her name's Gigi, by the way. Um, Kobe Bryant's daughter's name also. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, he gets on the phone with his insurance company. Literally says to my fault, hit this guy. We go through the whole process. I was probably pulled over for 20, 25 minutes. For about 15 of those minutes, I was just talking to his daughter, making sure she was okay, like not really giving her first aid. She was still in the back seat, yeah, but making sure chatting. she was cognizant. She banged her head, you know, making sure the, and she might have been a little concussed. I don't think she was, but you know, I know that that's what you do with kids. You talk to them and you ask them some questions. She was telling me about school. And so anyway, when we're all done, 
I get home um, and I have to file a claim on my company. You, your car was drivable still? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I drove it. So he texts me out of the blue later on. He said, hey, thanks for being so cool. I didn't know what to do. You walked me through the process. And and I'm like, well, where I'm going with this is to my points, my, my, my non-negotiables for leading a crisis. You have to be calm outwardly. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, when I when he hit me, I, was, I said some choice words inside the car. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I called him some some pretty nasty names like how in the did you manage to do that like you've come across two lanes of traffic and literally hit me from the side (laughs) and ben's seen a description like i drew some arrows on a picture like he smashed me from a place that he shouldn't really have hit me but yeah i said that inside the car so outwardly i was calm and collected inside part of me wanted to say what the fuck were you doing what were you looking at how did you not see me my car's bright fucking red Mm mm-hmm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's broad daylight. But not so rule one not helpful. Calm outwardly, internally recenter, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that was a split second moment. Sometimes to your point, being recentered is going to the gym, taking a walk, calling somebody you mm-hmm. love, doing something that you need to do in order to get that that nice feeling, right? Because well, it's harder to be recentered too yeah. if you're always stressed. Rule number two, and this isn't from anywhere else. These are my rules. That I literally, as I was typing out my notes, I'm like, I'm gonna. This is how I deal in crisis. Rules. There you go. So, I get clarity, and I give clarity, because you're calm. I, again, another example. Like, I smashed some wine. I think I told this story. I smashed some wine at an SYP event, yeah. and everybody else is panicking and i had a moment of panic but i was like recenter we can go and buy more wine it's not a big deal here's my card go get some wine everything was okay yeah we had to clean it up but yeah you get clarity and you give clarity and by that i mean when he was talking insurance i was like yeah i'm insured and we'll get to exchanging details and you're gonna my number i'll have your number we'll text each other whatever needs to happen to get everything fixed so it's just so get clarity give clarity that's number two i've got act now not later and don't procrastinate so that's actually a bendable rule if you're angry or don't think you can get to yeah. point number one and stay act calm, later act later don't act <laughs> now i'll give an example again sometimes we write an email and hit send sometimes it's better to walk away from that email and come back mm-hmm. and read it totally. as someone else and then go okay yeah i wouldn't like to get that email i'm going to change it right yeah, that's the passive aggressiveness. But action as a leader is the most important thing. Because if you're living what your leadership principles are and what your focus and desires are, the people around you are either going to catch. So, we, was it Mark Smith told us that um, passion is caught, not taught? Mm-hmm. People are not going to be able to trust you and get passionate about your goals and your visions and your where you're trying to take anything in, in a leadership direction unless you're living those morals and principles and then this is just kind of a, a motto that I live my life by I serve others I don't blame others and I don't snap at people very often it happens every now and again I'll be honest but yeah serve others don't blame others nobody controls your destiny like you do mm-hmm. so those are my four leadership slash life goals tips whatever you want to call them life hacks. in crisis 
Those are good, actually. Yeah. I know. I don't expect things like that to come from you too often, but that was a good one. We should, we should check that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> was that a compliment question? I'm confused. But no, those were really good, actually. I mean, I, I, I 100%. And it's, well, what's interesting is that example of the car wreck. Mm-hmm. are the two types of people you really do see in crisis. You see the people who lose all cool in first aid crisis. I've seen this before where people, something happens, somebody goes, you know, ass over tea kettle or something like that on a motorcycle. Yeah. You know, and they're laying there on the ground or a car wreck. It's a good example. And someone needs first aid of some kind. And you see the people who are freaking out. They lose their ability to think critically and it goes out. And then there's those that it's like right now, I don't have the luxury of freaking out. I just need to focus on the things that I know and your muscle memory almost just kicks in. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, I mean, I'm very much the person where in a, in a stressful situation, it's just like head down, focused, emotion goes the wayside and you just get done. But then later on, you'll have, I'll have my emotional breakdown and I'll lose all my mind. Yeah. But in the moment, behind closed doors later, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do to regain my my clarity because I'll, I'll lose it but in the moment yeah totally there's people that are like the innate, innate reaction is just either lose it or mm-hmm. very calm cool collected get the thing done and then reevaluate later yeah but no that was good I like that Stephen I like that maybe we should write those down and put them out there or something like that too alright that might have been one go of your best go fill Tom W that might have been one of your best uh, best ones so far actually but Another thing that they were talking about as a leader right now in times of where people are worried about how to homeschool their kids, worried about, you know, getting COVID or getting sick or saying something wrong on Facebook. I mean, there's just so many things that you can worry about right now is taking something off their plate as a leader. And by that, I I don't mean like work. They, They were like, bring in lunch. It's like do things that are unexpected that kind of jolt them out of their current state, right? It's like when you think about it, when someone brings in lunch unexpectedly or you say, hey, tomorrow we're bringing in lunch for the whole team. Everybody, we're going to sit around the table, you know, six feet apart if we're into that. And we're going to eat together, be in community together, laugh a little bit, catch up on life. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's almost like a breath of of fresh air in in times when people have been struggling. So think of things like that, things that are just a little bit different that alleviate some of the worry or some of the things like, oh man, I don't have to think about lunch tomorrow because we got lunch coming in and then take an hour and a half lunch, you know, and just do something fun, do something different, mix it up a little bit too. I think that's the spice of life. I had a yeah. colleague this weekend, we were talking about, he goes, yeah, we went up to Sandpoint with my family and we were hanging out with friends on the beach in Sandpoint and then we were just going to come home for a day, but then we decided to stay the night at one of the hotels up there and they had a room and we took the kids and went swimming the next morning in the pool at the hotel and nobody was there so it was totally open Hmm. he's like but just the spontaneity of life and i think and sometimes as a leader too you get so formulaic and so systematic that you as even need to take those types of adventurous just i'm going to break out of my routine i'm going to do something different and it's that's why you think about it people lose their jobs or get mm-hmm. fired or whatever it's like in the, in the that's some of the best times for them is those types of times because they've been forced to do something different so yeah. do something different tomorrow we've, we've talked about that before and you know i'm mr pragmatic right and i'm not bragging on myself but 
you you'll say something like oh and this is a real life example as well ben told me one weekend that his wifey was going to be potty training weston and didn't want him around the house and i said so you have a hall pass and he's like yeah and i was like can you go out of town he's like yeah and i was like to vegas he was like maybe let me check within next a, day within a couple hours we left the next day yeah within a couple of, we two days then? later within a couple hours i had sent him flight prices hotel prices i was like we can do this <sighs> yeah, we can do this balling on a budget i wasn't letting that one get cold mm-hmm. right and straight up we were in vegas two days later and had a great time and nothing untoward or illegal or anything like that just for the record we don't have to we can tell most of our vegas stories <laughs> including white castle on the strip at 3 a.m oh gosh i was so god i missed white castle but yeah it's that's me like you talked about the spontaneity of life yeah also coincidentally i was in sandpoint yesterday afternoon and didn't see oh, any of your colleagues that's because um, it was over the weekend well i guess it was sunday yeah oh yeah they must have maybe they left yeah. but to your point and i will say this is because i know i do this to you is like I'll look at you. Well, yeah, it's easy to be spontaneous when you don't have anybody that you have to go home to or any responsibility at the house, right? It's like I can just take off and leave and go do that. Like, so I think spontaneity does become harder, mm-hmm. which means you have to be more intentional with it. Yeah, leave yeah. space. Yeah, in your schedule to be spontaneous. Yeah, schedule spontaneity. It can be like, hey, this Sounds weekend. Like an this weekend in October, we're going somewhere. Don't have a clue where. We'll decide at some point. Maybe maybe one day you're looking through and you see a deal and you're like, oh, let's do that that weekend. And little things like that. Are- or even if you're the type of person that has to have it all planned out, plan it out. But schedule those times of rests, I think, is what it comes down to, too. And spontaneity is the type of rest, I think, for you and I. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it might not be. Man, Friday night, by the way, we went with some friends out to a place I've never been to and then headed to the lake afterwards. So my son had a sleepover. Not enough people with kids do this type of stuff. So if you have kids, you need to schedule more time to be with your spouse and with friends and have mental clarity and freedom and be an adult that doesn't have puke on their shirt. Um, <laughs> truth. Truth. That's I speak the truth. But we went out to Embers on Lake Hauser. Mm-hmm. Oh, that place was freaking awesome. Did I already tell you about this? I maybe. You I told did. me you were going. Yeah, that place was awesome. Totally my jam. I was like, people, good beer selection, freaking delicious pizza, looks at a lake, and there was cornhole. It's like, this is great. This is 100% what I wanted. And then we woke up the next day at the cabin, had coffee, sat outside for an hour, went to the farmer's market, and came home. And I was just like, Oh my God, I didn't realize how much I actually needed that. Mm-hmm. That just like tw- wasn't even 24 hours, you know, that 16 hours of rejuvenation and sleep. I slept until 7.40 a.m. without a kid. Oh, it's glorious. What do you think? That sleeping in, like to most people, that's waking up early. It's the same I, for me. That's um, I know. I was like, it was, it was glorious. Yeah, plus you had a designated driver because wifey's pregnant. True. <laughs> I didn't drink enough to need one, but yeah. Yeah. She can hardly get up into my poor truck right now. Well, my poor wife can hardly get up on my poor truck. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, it's a fun podcast today. Yeah. We've, We're almost uh, at an hour. We've talked a lot. Yeah. Um, but, so look, Ben and I strive genuinely, like it's something we talk about. Like We want you guys to get value from this. And I'm going to say this. If you think this is trash, turn it off. Don't share it. If you get value from it, the chances are someone else will. Share it. Let someone know. Hey, these guys talked about something that that 
touched a nerve with me. Maybe yeah. you should listen to it. I know I do things like that. I'm always recommending mm-hmm. podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll books send them to and, each other. Yeah. Well, not just you. I mean, I, I'm kind of that annoying person that someone will tell me a problem. I'm like, hey, I've read a book that can help you with that. Yeah. And I, I, the Love Languages book kind of made me realize that not everybody wants those solutions, but um, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Stephen's working on the no, Stephen. I, I'm just, I just need a sounding board. I don't need a solution. Yeah, but don't like I'm a problem solver. That's what I do for a living. You're a male. Yeah, that's what we like to do. Yeah, <laughs> problem. Let me solve it. I had to learn that in relationship with Lauren. It's like she's like I'm like I've even I'll even ask now. It's like, do you want me to offer solutions to this and, and want me to fix the problem, or do you just want to? You're just looking for a sounding board. You're just looking for support. It's like. I just want to talk and support. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. But yeah, I don't really have anything else I want to go over. I would like to reiterate that take a break from all kinds of media. It doesn't, you don't need to be on Facebook multiple times a day reading the nonsense that's going on on there. Take a break from it. You certainly don't need to be looking at Fox, CNN, MSNBC, The Blaze. ABC, one, two, three. Like all of those things. Like there is a slant. And just because it's the slant that you lean towards doesn't mean that it's healthy and doesn't mean that it's going to put you in a good place. I challenge anybody listening to this to go one week of your life without switching on the news. If you watch the news currently and you'll see how much better your life is. And that includes... What about reading? Reading's the same. It's the same shit, you know. It's the same. It doesn't matter what publication you're getting. It's invariably not very... There's like two websites... And I'll maybe post some social media stuff that are factually biased. Dan Cummins actually did a thing on his Secret Suck podcast this week where he talked about 11 ways that the media can inflame things. And it's just some... I talk about how important English is. Yeah. But it can be as simple as saying Donald Trump ranted about... And it's like, why does it need to be ranted? Why can't it just be Donald Trump said? Yeah, well, that's because... Don't, don't, Don't sway beforehand. Or... Totally it's just all of these little additional descriptive words that it's like that's an opinion that's not a fact and you lose credibility when you do those things kind of thing you know so Um, you want something fun that talks about like media and if you want to dig into this people this was something that somebody posted the other day and it was a basically a piece of legislation that was passed in uh 2013 mm -hmm. called the smith munt m-u-n-d-t modernization act of 2012 it basically allowed the government to use the media. You can go to congress.gov and look this up mm-hmm. to use the media for public diplomacy. So they can say things in there to manipulate how they want people to think and the actions of the citizens that watch it, whether it be factual or not. I'm like, holy shitballs, Batman. But only, only on the free channels. So that's like CBS, NBC. Um, ABC and Fox. So those four. Now, when you get into the 24-hour news cycle on cable, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Like, they're not doing it just for diplomacy. I think that act, and I've read about it before, the actual purpose and means of it is not necessarily bad, but how it can be manipulated for bad and this is kind of the, the devil's always in the details of every act that's passed. People focus on mm-hmm. one or two parts of an act and then they lose in the minutiae what's actually happening. 
So these government acts that are pushed through often have shit like that hidden in them that can be used for bad. So little sneaky little bad tainted thing. Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. I'm sure Ben does too. We'll get some more interviews on here so you don't have to just listen to us ramble all the time too. Yeah. Those are more fun. In the meantime, please be good to yourselves and to each other. And rate and review us and like us and do that stuff. Boom. Now. Nah.